0: Welcome into another edition of Jungle Juice. It's Sam Gormley and Mick Nelson with you here on a post-Bengals week one loss to the Cleveland Browns. Getting you ready for the Baltimore Ravens. But Mick, first off, how you doing? I'm
1: doing quite well, Sam. Uh, you know, it's uh, just coming from the work end here. We're we're approaching on a lot of deadlines here, so... Uh... <laughs> Things are just firing on all cylinders for me right now.
0: <laughs> it makes things a lot of fun, right? They're, I mean, and at least, though, the best way to describe it is, you know, this for me is an, a busy point of the se- the year as well. It is for you. At least we have football. And that at least makes me feel better, even though that our favorite football team on on Sunday kind of lit us down. But we don't want to get into that just, just yet. We'll have to get into it in just a few moments. But uh, – yeah, not not a great performance opening week of the season from the Cincinnati Bengals. No. Um,
1: honestly, uh, at least on the offense, it was pretty non, non-final. Um, defense looked all right. Um, so, you know, there are some positives, not a whole lot of them to uh, kind of go through, you know, when we're looking back at the Browns game. But, yeah, yeah. Um, the the way that the offense uh, didn't function on Sunday it was more or less of a disappointment. Um,
0: and that'll definitely be something we'll have to touch on here in a few minutes. We'll also preview the big game on. I mean, it, it's a huge game now on Sunday because of the performance this past Sunday between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. But first off, Mick, we wanted to hit up some of the big headlines since our last show, which was about eight days ago. Some of them, I mean, it's it's now, I guess, in this industry, it's classified as old news so we aren't going to go too deep into it. But then there's a few, I think your number one topic is something that everyone already has a take on. We've talked about it ad nauseum, and that is Joe Burrow signed his extension. Five years, $275 million. It was, the timing of it happened right, pretty much right at the kickoff of the Chiefs-Lions game. And that's kind of the topic that I wanted to talk about with you, Mick. On purpose or not? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I I, I kind of lost you in the lag there a little bit. What were you asking? I was asking. Yeah, we are dealing with quite a bit of lag on, on both ends here today. Uh, I was asking the Joe Burrow contract. It was set up and released right at the start of the Bengals Chiefs or the rather of the Chiefs Lions game. Was that on purpose or do you think it was just a coincidence that was released to Adam Schefter? I think it was probably on purpose, and I love it.
1: It was a great, it was a great timing on uh on the Bengals end to leak that over to Adam Schefter, um, and you know, I know it, uh, I know it pissed off some like NFL analysts, like saying it was like classless or
0: whatever. But you know who cares? It's how rivalries are are, are supposed to go, right? Yeah, and that's my thing too. With it is 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 if roles were reversed. And it was the Bengals playing a big game and Patrick Mahomes signed a contract extension or Travis Kelsey. Those people would have loved it. I, I don't know that you read too much into it, but it did at least make me chuckle, even if it wasn't on purpose. As far as diving into the details of it, you know, five years, $275 million, I think is pretty much right about what we expected.
1: Yes. Yeah, no, actually, I think. When we were like discussing what Burroughs' extension would be after the Herbert extension happened, we were like, Well, Burrow's probably making fifty-five million a year, probably put it over five years, and boom, you got two hundred and seventy-five million dollars. And I think uh I think a few of us kind of guessed that's you know what the contract was gonna be. Um, but I'm just so glad that it happened. Um, I really thought this was gonna be pushed off until the offseason. It didn't seem like any traction was you know there was any traction going on earlier in the uh in the training camp phase with the contract extension uh but boy was i wrong and boy am i happy that that uh that this is finally done and you can start to uh you can start to finally try to piece together the rest of the extensions that could potentially uh,
0: come their way and i think you're leading perfectly into what was the second big headline of this week that was non-cleveland browns related And it's that next extension and really the next one on deck It is the T Higgins one. And I know it came out pretty much from multiple reporters in the last week. One was, you know, Kelsey Conway from the Cincinnati Inquirer and the other was Paul Dana Jr. from the Athletic. And both of them pretty much said, hey, this T Higgins deal is not going to happen until the offseason and he's probably going to hit the free agent market. And I know that that kind of like blew up to some Bengals fans, but. Mick, am I wrong in not even being a little bit surprised that that's that's what's ending up happening? Or am I in the minority? No, I don't think you're wrong at all.
1: No, I don't think you're in the minority. Um, You know, when you pay a quarterback top dollar, um, you know, sacrifices are going to have to be made, and especially when it's not the number one wide receiver on the team. Uh, You don't see the Chiefs paying for – you know, two uh, top targets you see them paying for Travis Kelsey. They had to get rid of Tyree Kill to try and compensate for uh, the lack of caps. And, and there's other more important areas of the team that you really need to focus on um, in terms of building the roster together. Uh, so, you know, I'm surprised that the T-extension didn't happen. I don't think is going to happen. Maybe you see him get tagged in the offseason. Um And see, I don't know yeah, that there's even a I'm, maybe I'm not to i least bit surprised of the news that we...
0: I think he 100% is... I think he's 100% going to get franchise tagged. I don't think there's any question about that. And here's what wouldn't surprise me, is the good old tag and trade. Is that they tag him and then trade him right, you know, towards the top... You know, in those week, maybe week plus before the draft... And do maybe an unbangles like thing, but a, a a move that is probably smart for teams that want to win and try to pick up. Because here's the thing: I mean, if we for being honest. T. Higgins, if if you can trade him to somebody that gets a year potentially more, you could be potentially. I mean, you could potentially swindle a first round pick. If not, you're looking at a good second round pick, probably for T. Higgins or a couple of mid and some late. He's gonna get a decent haul for a. I mean, because because I know that they talk about this every single time. Other than, you know, a handful of teams in the league, he would be a number one wide receiver on just about any team in the NFL. And because of that, I think teams would be willing to pay a higher price to try and get him, even if it was for just one year to try and lure him to sign that contract extension. So that's why I think that the tag is 100 percent going to happen. And it wouldn't shock me if it still means that a year from now he's playing for someone else. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. The
1: lag is really bad here. Uh, So I kind of pieced together what you were saying there, um, you know, with the whole tag and trade thing. Um, And I do agree. I think considering the, uh, you know, the position of T Higgins, which is wide receiver, which is one of the highest paid positions in the league. I think you could get a really good haul from him. And I would be surprised if it wasn't a first round draft pick. But the thing is, is that, you know, I don't know. Did the Bengals show T some grace a little bit and say, Hey, you know, we want you to get your bag. Unfortunately, you know, we've got a lot of money tied up and we, we have to spend it on other positions. Um, You know, you know, best of luck in free agency or whatever. And do, I doubt the team would do that, but I was going to say, know, do good teams do that?
0: No, good organizations Listen,
1: probably I, don't do that.
0: I love T Higgins, but if we're being honest, T. Higgins doesn't deserve that level of respect yet either.
1: Uh yeah. No, I don't know I if mean, any player does. I mean I think
0: you could have said, you know, 2019 AJ Green maybe would have potentially deserved that respect because he'd been there a long time. He'd been through the thick and thin, but I don't know that I could see an argument that, that T Higgins deserves that. And again, look at me. I I love T Higgins love what he does. He's a great player and I hope he he's a Bengal for the rest of his career, but realistically saying, I don't know that that's going to be a thing, but I still think the tag and trade is maybe the most likely opportunity.
1: Yeah, no, that's definitely an opportunity. Here's my thing though. Have you, have we ever really seen many players get tagged and then traded?
0: Uh didn't wasn't AJ Brown an option of that? I don't know. I didn't know if AJ Brown got the tag or not. Uh
1: I honestly don't know. I I know he got traded, obviously, but I'm not sure about the tag aspect of that. I actually kind of want to look that up a little bit, but I'll I'll give it a Google while you're talking. Yeah, I, I would say and it kind of also, maybe it kind of shakes out what happens for the rest of the season. If the Bengals go out and win a Super Bowl, I mean, do, does that change things uh, this year, or, you know, next offseason? So,
0: um, I'm looking here in, in a couple of options that you've seen uh, already. This article I'm reading is from 2021, so it's a few years old, but she had Yannick Ngakwe he was an option. Jadavian Clowney was an option. Frank Clark from the C- Seahawks. D. Ford from the Chiefs. So there have it, there is precedent for that to happen. Now I know none of those guys up. that I just mentioned in that quick sentence were our skill guys, as far as you know, wide receivers or a quarterback or something. But I, I don't want to steal what uh, hear that podcast podcast growling does, Mick. But they do the you know the run passer boot options. So we're not going to do that, but I'm just going to have you rank most likely to least likely here. And I think it's best to do four options so we can take it away from our own. We're not going to have a creative name or anything, but for T Higgins, one year from today, most likely to happen. He is tagged and traded. He just is a straight up free agent and leaves. He is an extension for the Bengals. Or he's tagged and is a bangle playing on the on the franchise tag. Rank okay, those so from missed, most likely to least. I missed least two likely. of the options. So you said so. Sorry, number, sorry,
1: well, sorry about the lag, everybody. Um, I don't know why it's happening today of all days, but so you're saying the options were the extent he gets extended, he gets tagged, he gets tagged and traded, or they just let him go. Correct. Okay. Most likely tag, second, most likely extend, third, most likely tag and trade, fourth, most likely um, they probably just let him go.
0: And I don't necessarily disagree. I think, I think it's interesting. I, I probably think that the tag and trade is a little higher. I, I don't, I think that the clear number four is them just letting him walk for nothing. Because I guess nothing yeah. is a third-round pick. And a tag-and-trade, you're going to get more than a third-round pick.
1: Yeah, Oh, 100%. And, and like I said, uh, just given given the position that T plays and given that he could be a number one wide receiver on
0: a lot of NFL teams, uh, yeah, I think that could be a first-round pick easily. So, Mick, I ask you, you are Duke Tobin. How are you handling T. Higgins next offseason?
1: Probably tagging him. I mean, that seems like the best way to do it. Uh, now, Josh, um, our, our dear friend in the Hootay Nation group, and uh, just mentioned that if the Bengals won the Super Bowl this year, they would be more comfortable with moving on from T or moving T for value. I do agree with that. It, it, so it kind of depends on what happens this season. So if they came close again this year and didn't win the Super Bowl, I think it's tagging you keep T one more season. If uh, if uh, if they if they do win it, you can probably move on in a trade. But I guess the other thing is, even with the borough extension, is that it is possible to keep Jamar and T and extend both of them uh, with true extensions. I don't necessarily um, want that to happen though. So if I'm Duke. I would I would probably tag T and keep him for 2024 and then let him test the free agent market in the 2025 offseason.
0: Well, then theoretically, you even have the option that you could tag him again after that. That uh, There's a level of disrespect that comes with tagging a guy two years in a row, I think. there There is, but it is an awful lot of money that he gets because I think it's like one and a half, per, one and a half times, I think, if you get tagged for a second straight season... So he'd be getting Mm -hmm. top level money. And that's that's always where my thing and I agree with what Josh is saying, but it's also I I think it's it's one and a half times. And I think that the cap number for wide receivers was what? Something like twenty million. So we'll just say that it's twenty million. So you're telling me that
1: it's like the fifth highest, right?
0: This is like the is it an average of the top five or yes, yes, that's what it is. So Josh, let's just Josh say
1: that one there, <laughs> let's just
0: say if it's $20 million next year, and it'll be, be higher than that, then the double tag would be 30 mil. And it's tough for me to say, and feel bad for a guy who's making $30 million a year. So that's, and again, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's ever going to come to that. But, I don't know but, because you're
1: subjecting T to a whole lot of risk. If you do the double tag, right? Because you're,
0: yeah, but you're also like, your business. You, you, you're not in it for like you are in it to make sure that your team is the best possible. Now, will that really tick T Higgins off? Probably. Will he potentially have the holdout potentially, but guess what? Then he doesn't get paid. So It's, well, it's, it's that simple because of, of how the tag works. So you get to almost call the bluff. Now, again, will it happen? I'd be, I'd be beyond shocked, but it is an option theoretically out there that the Bengals would want to do. Um. Yeah. And, and I don't disagree here with what Josh House says. He says from, but from the player agent perspective, it's thirty million dollars, but he can go get maybe one hundred plus on the market. Yeah, you're, you're not yeah, wrong. It's,
1: it's a security thing for sure. It's just like you want to be locked up for a long for a long period of time with more rolling guarantees. Um, yeah, that's just I don't know. I I would I would be if I were Duke Tobin, I I would consider it a disrespect to somebody that that gave us all my organization for you know, for a few years to to tag him two years in a row. And honestly, other players would take note of that as well, uh, that the organization is willing to do that. Maybe you don't get as many free agent signings or, you know, better free agent signings like they had the past couple of years if they don't uh, show the player some respect in some way, shape, or form in that, in that aspect.
0: The other big news of the week was yesterday, Lyle Collins was released from the PUP list and is now a free agent. Surprising, Nick? Kind of. Um,
1: now, from a from a uh, money perspective, it's not like what did they, what did they save seven eight mil for cutting whatever? Yeah, or cutting light alcohol. So, from a financial standpoint, it was not surprising. Now, from a roster depth standpoint, uh, I thought it was a little surprising.
0: Yeah, I, I was I was very surprised when I saw it happen. And it was one of those things I, you know, I it, taking you inside baseball, you know, I work for a media organization. I was broadcasting high school soccer last night, which was, again, we're not getting into that. But mm-hmm. I didn't see it, and it didn't come across or anything like that. And I went on air and had a lot going on. And I didn't end up seeing it until like 10 o'clock last night. It was one, th- one of those things that it had been so long since it had come out that it wasn't even, like, the first thing that I saw on my feed. So I was just scrolling through, and it was, like, all of a sudden, Bengals released Lyle Collins, and I was like, what? Like, how is this not the first thing that I'm seeing right now? What, what, what? But I think here's to me, and I think you touched on it, Mick, as to why I think I potentially would have kept him, is what has been the number one reason that the Cincinnati Bengals have lost pretty much in the playoffs the last two seasons? Offensive line depth offensive line depth and here is my follow-up question is do you trust lyle collins or jackson carmen more oh lyle collins i would
1: probably i i might trust lyle more at right tackle than i trust jonah at right tackle that's that's kind of where i'm coming off with that is that you know jonah's transitioning over to right tackle and did not look great uh on Sunday. Now, given, given he had a really hard matchup to deal with, but you know, honestly, do you see like that far of a difference or that much of a difference between the two? Now you can't get rid of Jonah, right? You sign him to a fifth year option. He's making what, you know, 10 I mean, plus a year. The, uh,
0: theoretically they could get rid of him, but they'd have to pay him every dollar. So he, yeah, they'd have to pay him every dollar. You're out. What
1: I got to look at it. 14, over the 14 cap, mil. This. I think something like that. Fourteen, Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not going to sacrifice 14 million dollars. But yeah, considering that offensive line depth has been what's you know what's making your Achilles heel in the playoffs, and you're not keeping a guy as an insurance policy. Now that's that's the thing that I, excuse me, more or less, I have a problem with. And the other thing here is that they had Lyle Collins for a third year. On top of that, the Bengals could have been in a very good situation for Jonah to walk after this season. And they still have a you know a starting caliber right tackle signed for another season. So that's the part that I may that I kind of disagree
0: with. uh, You know, Lyle getting getting cut. This you know, because I think the biggest thing with Lyle last year is he was fine, maybe below fine. Like he he wasn't good. I thought he wasn't
1: pretty all right.
0: I thought he was pretty all right from
1: the middle to the end of his uh,
0: season last year. Yeah. He played better as it went along. But I think the biggest thing with Lyle Collins is the injury worry is how much faith can you put into him of, of his injury. And especially because he missed a lot of practice last year with a back and a back is something that doesn't necessarily ever truly heal. No, without, without, you know, completely tearing apart your back, something that a guy who is in his prime or on the, post-end of his prime is not going to do especially at the offensive line
1: position too like you're putting on a lot of weight and your back has to, has to support all that weight so yeah I, you know that might be a hard thing to, to kind of get over or to or to minimize as much as you can and, that, and maybe that's what the Bengals were looking at but the fact that they had Lyell for very cheap next year uh, you know I just thought that was a really good like you know contingency plan once once you know the season's over and Jonah might be moving on from the team now Josh mentioned in the comments that you know he wouldn't be surprised for Jonah to to, to have an okay season a right tackle for them to extend him if that's the case that kind of uh you know that's the case they kind of uh you know maybe that 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 situation would be solved a little bit but I don't know Josh I know exactly he wouldn't call it- if Lyle started next year, would you call it cheap though?
0: Yeah, and I know Zach Taylor today was asked in his press conference was does this you know decision have any impact on how Deontay Smith has played and and come about in in training camp and and so on? And he said, you know, not really, but he is proud of how Deontay Smith has come along. Now again, you know, do I trust Lyle Collins or Deontay Smith more? Obviously, I'm going to pick Lyle Collins. But also, like I said, you know, you, you at some point you have to worry about the injury history for some of these guys. But I still would have kept him for the reason enough alone of the Bengals two right tackles on AFC. The last two AFC championship games have been Akima chemo and uh, Isaiah Prince. Two guys who are I don't yeah. even know are on 53 man rosters right now. I highly doubt it. And they've started the the two most yeah. important games uh, in the of out last there. few years. Yeah, no, it's uh,
1: that's that's just where I wanted an insurance policy just for this season. And and you know you do save eight million on the cap. It rolls forward to next year. Maybe that goes towards the extension. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it goes towards signing somebody else. Uh, like yeah, I don't know. I just kind of wanted some depth there. I thought they were. I thought that's what they were going to do. I wonder if they were actively trying to like seek a trade, but that that would have been impossible to do given he was on the pup list. Um, but yeah. Long story short, Lyle's gone. Um, you know, it it, it you know it's 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 all right that we're not paying a backup tackle eight million dollars or whatever he was making. Um. But yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm not too sure about it just from a depth perspective.
0: Mick, when we started this podcast, and even in our, if you go to our Spotify or Apple Podcasts or something, which make sure you do subscribe that way. So you get uh, all of our podcasts put in that way. So make sure you do that. Is it says in our like description, the last thing I I put in there was deliver merit, maybe a therapy session or two. And I feel like that's what we have to do right now in recapping the game from Sunday, the Cleveland Browns game and have put on our therapy hats and talk a little bit about what happened on Sunday. And I think the best way to do it, Mick, is to divide it into the good, the bad, and the ugly. So let's start off with, let's go positive to start off with and go with some of the good. What was some of the good that you saw on Sunday in the, uh, what is the word to describe, in the something as to whatever we want to call happened on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns?
1: Yeah, so good. Um the defense looked decent. Now it wasn't like the greatest defensive performance I've ever seen, but given that they only gave up 24 points despite um how bad the average field position was in the other way, um uh, or you know how how good of a field position the Browns had and given how the offense wasn't literally doing anything, um I thought 24 points was was given up was, was pretty impressive. Uh, you know, and they kept the team in the game for, for three quarters miraculously. Um,
0: I think another one of the good on that note, just to kind of build on it, I think specifically on the defense, the pass rush, I was very impressed with a pass rush. And I don't remember a Bengals. pass, yeah, the rush, pass recently rush looked a lot better re- getting that much pressure in, in, in a while. I mean, Deshaun Watson was running for his life back there. Yeah,
1: uh, it's, uh, and, and I wonder how much it had to do with Jack Conklin's injury that the that the edge rushers were starting to tee off a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, the pass rush looked a lot better in week one than it did last year. Uh, Zach Carter made a couple nice plays. Trey obviously had a he had a couple of sacks. He had one.
0: I don't know that he had any sacks now that I'm thinking about it. I, I think he, he had just had one. pressures. I know DJ had a sack. Trey was eaten all game though. And and that's the thing is with guys like him, a sack doesn't necessarily like he can impact a play just as much without getting the sack. And he had a lot of moments like that of just, of, I mean, heck the play that Jack Conklin got hurt on was because Trey Hendrickson was rushing the passer across the outside and the offensive tackle just had to throw him down. And when he did, he threw him down right into the leg of his fellow offensive lineman. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh I, I think another yeah, good the, the that came out of, I think another good that came out of Sunday was came out healthy. Like in, in all seriousness, you look around the league, there have been so many big injuries, and we'll touch on it yep. later. Especially with the Baltimore Ravens, I I really can't think of any big injuries that that came out of that game.
1: I don't. Yeah, I I, I don't think any happened. I, all the starters are still intact, as far as I know. Um, So, yeah, that's definitely a good thing that we came out healthy. Uh, Another good slash, I don't know if it's bad or good, but the fact that Brad Robbins got a lot of reps in the punting game, I feel like was a good thing, Uh, you know, especially given, you know, the weather elements in the game. I thought, you know, he came out there and, you know, yeah, he punted eight times, he got a lot of reps. He had some good reps, some bad reps. But the fact that he got so much, you know, experience out of that one game, I think was a, was a plus for the team, or, or for Brad Robbins at least.
0: Josh Isles said Jermaine Pratt was is definitely in the good realm, and I agree. Jermaine Pratt was was great. I I wasn't necessarily on team re-signed Jermaine yes. Pratt, but he he shut me up after that first game without question. Yep. Let's go to the bad. Wait for my Jermaine Pratt jersey to come in next week. There you go. Yeah. the bad. That next level of of the, uh, the bat. bad.
1: So uh, the offense as a whole, uh, Joe Mixon was the best player on the offense, and he's so you're you're
0: giving the offense bad and not ugly. I give you credit.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's probably in the ugly category, but there's a lot of uh, there's some there's some uh, particular like aspects of the offense that I have in the ugly category, not the offense of a, as a whole I'll just put as as a bad uh wide receiver separation was not even a thing in the game against the Browns on Sunday um the defense wasn't great at containing Nick Chubb now that's a really hard thing to do but I thought the run defense was kind of lacking a little bit I don't think Logan Wilson had the best uh the best of games I think there was a lot of missed tackles on his end uh you know we talk about Trey as good of a pass rusher he
0: is but his run defense is horrendous. I think for me the bad is I would put the offensive line in the bad and not in the ugly. Because I think you did see like Orlando Brown Jr. for the most part I think he gave up two pressures, maybe three. But you're telling me you give up three pressures against Miles Garrett? Okay. Like like it's just and I think I yeah. give I give the Browns a lot of credit. I mean, they I mean for one, that defense is is loaded with talent and that's that's up there with a top tier level defense but they were moving miles Garrett around so much Did you watch the play
1: where he was like lined up over carries like a three tech yeah yeah that was crazy What, what,
0: what what like what what do you want them to do I mean miles Garrett is arguably an argument could be made the best pass rusher in the NFL I think you could make an argument on that do I think he's the best maybe not but but if I'm asking you to make a Mount Rushmore right now, best pass rushers in the NFL, he's probably on it. Yeah, I would think
1: Miles Garrett is the best pass rusher in the league. And considering the production he gets when in years past when the rest of the pass rush has been pretty garbage in the fact that he's still eating and, and, and creating problems in, the, uh, in offensive backfields, I think, I, I think that puts Miles Garrett over the top for me. And the fact that he's got such a good supporting cast this year I feel like Miles Garrett could be on his way to something truly special this year. So. I do agree with what that's Josh also said the here. Bad. I feel like any Cleveland game might be an automatic loss.
0: Yeah, I, I do agree with what Josh said here. I don't think the offensive line played bad. He said, I think Joe had a couple of plays. He basically hurt the line's chances by not audibling when there was obvious pressure coming. And that's what kind of worried me a little bit. And this might be the time to transition into the ugly. And in the ugly was Joe Burrow. I mean, listen, I, you know, me, I am, listen, I love Joe Burrow more than the next guy. He was awful on Sunday. Yeah. No, same here.
1: Same here. I, I love Joe, Joe as much as the next guy, but yeah, he did not have a good game. The communication, we talk about the ugly, the communication from the team as a whole was, was piss poor. I mean, you gave up a couple of first downs to T Higgins because of, communications in bad communication with T Higgins you weren't identifying rushers you were allowing a lot of free rushers in the offensive line and a lot of that does come down to Joe Burrow it's you know and how much does that have to do with the lack of reps how much does that have to deal with you know all the distractions that were taking place beforehand with the contract extension uh, you know we don't know but Joe definitely wasn't on his a game he was not uh it didn't seem like he was communicating well. It didn't seem like he had commanded the offense, and that's something that I think will be an outlier. But uh, yeah, I agree, Paul. It was a very it was very hard to watch on Sunday. I was actually, yeah, I got pretty pretty uh, animated a few times watching the offense play because you have an offensive head coach, an offensive, uh, you know, you've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and. You know, I wasn't expecting, you know, them to be firing at all cylinders, but I expected them to at least look functional at some point in the game.
0: And they yeah, did. I think I mean, I made the comment at the end of the the show last week that I predicted this game to be a lot like the game in 2021 against the Chicago Bears. And it was what game number two or number three of that season where it was awful for the first three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, it was almost like someone woke up and said, "Hey, do we actually want to start playing now?" They were like, "Yeah, let's do it." And then they come back, and then they fall up a little short and lose by a field goal or or, or something along the lines of that. And I was waiting all game for something that for for that moment to happen, and it just never did because I really thought when I guess it was their first drive of the second half when they got the ball back, you know, down by three or something, and. I was expecting, okay, this is it. They've had their fun. They made some adjustments at halftime. We're good. We're golden. The rain has died down a bit. Let's roll. And it never happened. It never happened in the entire yeah. game. And yeah, that's what worries so, me. Yeah, the the
1: other uh the other the other parallel game I thought was like the, the week one game against the Steelers last year where the offense just wasn't doing too much until the second half when then they finally just started to click and figure it out. But I just wonder if the Browns defense was just that good.
0: Yeah. And I think there, there is an aspect too that is uh, that is just the fact that they are good. You know, they're a really good team. They're one of the best teams in the NFL, as far as defense goes. And And then the weather, like I'm not an excuse guy, but the weather was an impact.
1: Yeah, no, uh, the, the weather could have, you know, definitely uh, could have impacted the game a little bit. I don't want to give too much, you know, I don't want to give too much leeway in regards to the weather because both teams have to play in the weather, so it's, you know, it kind of just boils down to who can handle this because conditions the best. Now, uh, I, the fact that Joe wasn't prepared to throw in the rain that was a little concerning to me because I know he hates using a glove, and it was so bad to the point where he had to use a glove. So I'm just. I don't know. I'm just kind of concerned. I was kind of concerned about that, but I don't know. The offense, could- the offense was better than what was obviously better than what they showed on Sunday. And
0: and see, I kind of in a way disagree with you too. one of my other uglies, and I might be being mean and saying it's an ugly and it might be more of a bad, but I put Brad Robbins in that category. I, I think he was he was not good and I get it. There were conditions with it as well. But he had a couple of punts that were were like oof, 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 like. And, and I'm not, I'm not by no means throwing in the card. They made the right decision taking Brad Robbins over Drew Chrisman. You're not going to see me argue with that. But I think it is also to the point of being able to say he was not good on Sunday. Now let's see him this coming Sunday. Hopefully he never touches the field except for field goals for Evan McPherson. Or extra points for Evan McPherson, and he never goes back to actually punt during the game because the Bengals' offense is is de- dealing. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I I was disappointed in the Brad Robbins show. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, I
1: don't know. Yeah, you know, I I kind of disagree just because I, I thought I saw a couple of decent punts out
0: of Brad Robbins, and but is a uh, but you know, you're in the NFL. wasn't the A couple not a, a couple doesn't get it done. You're in the NFL.
1: Uh, yeah, but a couple given the, the weather conditions. I, so the, I will use the weather as an excuse for special teams for the for the for Brad Robbins and Evan Pearson, because you're kicking into the wind like that. That might be that might be just a huge issue for them. Right. So I don't know if I could put Brad in the ugly, especially if there are some positives that came out of his, his game.
0: On Then on I guess someday. I can classify him to the bad. Yes. I'll move him up there, but but he, I don't know that I agree with him as far as the good. I think as a whole, of this this Browns game, I, I put it in here in in our name, Mick. When you left that, were you panicking? When we left the uh, the Browns game, the Browns game, yes,
1: yes and no, because I don't think the Bengals can ride the ship fairly quickly. Um, but more because I think the Browns might be good enough to win the division this year. Their defense looked like a top five defense on Sunday. Uh, they had a lot of personnel change. Jim Schwartz is coming in and it called a hell of a game. Um, so that's the part where I might be worried that I think the Browns are a legitimate threat and they definitely looked like one on Sunday. But I'm not worried in the fact that I think the Bengals could write the ship fairly quickly and they could start I think a very well good start this week against the Ravens.
0: And I think that's the perfect transition into this weekend against the Baltimore Ravens. And listen, Mick, I mean, it's a huge game. I don't like throwing in, I know Paul Daner Jr. in, in the Hear That Podcast growling, he always jokes about having the must-win wristband. And his joke is you're only allowed to use must-win once a season. And really using it in week two, it is, it's too early. To to say that it is a must win. But Mick, I think an argument could be made that just in a generalized term that this is still as close to must win as you're going to get in week two. Yeah, I mean, I would say,
1: I I won't put the must win tag on it yet, but you would really want to win this game now. You want to win every game, right? But, you know, there is a precedent, I guess, of starting out 0-3 in the division and starting 0-2 on the year last year, and they still won 10 games in a row and, and won the division and made it to the AFC Championship. But you want to try to avoid that situation as much as you can. Um, so, yeah, I would just, you know, I would say it's a must, a kind of a must win. I, I, I don't think it's in the must win category, but I think that you know, you you want to avoid being in the hole you were in last year, even, the, even though you did get out of it and won the division last year.
0: I think a couple of reasons why I want to throw that must-win wristband already in the season, and I'm not going to, but you look first off, the game is at home. You got to win at home. Got to win at home. You know, there's just no other way to put it for that. You got to find a way to take care of business when you're at Paycor Stadium. But then you also look at this Ravens team. They're beat up. They're as beat up as you're going to get in week number two. J.K. Dobbins out. Tyler Linderbaum and Ronnie Stanley, you know, two starters on their offensive line, look like they're going to be out. They're both week to week, didn't practice today. Marlon Humphrey did not practice today. Mark Andrews was limited. Presumably that means limited on Wednesday would probably point to him playing on Sunday, but they are incredibly beat up. And because of that, this game, you've got to find a way to take advantage of it when a team is down, especially when you're at home.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's no, uh, that's probably the biggest key factor for them to win on Sunday is is that, um, you know the Baltimore set- secondary, even with Marlon Humphrey, was was sp- was still kind of spreading themselves a little thin, and now that Marlon Humphrey's gone and Marcus Williams might be out too. Did they say anything about Marcus? Williams? He did Williams? not practice today either. Yeah, so you got two really good starters in your secondary that are out, and we've got presumably a top, I would. Say, a top five or trio, a lot of people would put him at number one. I don't know if we're at number one. I, I haven't really dived too deep into that. But regardless, given that their cornerback room is is shot right now in week two, Joe, Jamar, Tyler, T, Irv, they have to take advantage of, of this beat up
0: secondary. And I think that's probably their easiest uh, avenue in terms of, of winning this game. And I think that's kind of leads us into t- to talking here of Bengals offense versus the Ravens defense. I think, you know, you, you touched on it. There is uh, if there is a team to go up against to try, you know, to try and get the passing offense rolling, it's probably going to be this Ravens team because of like you just touched on is their beat up in the secondary. And I think Paul makes a good point, you know, Tegan's got to catch some balls. Burrow's got to throw some better balls. Guys got to get open. It's and I think this is as good of a time to do it as ever. Now this Ravens secondary is not the Ravens secondary that we saw back in 2021, who had pretty much me and you back there. But they're not the Ravens secondary that we've seen though over the past couple of years.
1: No, and uh, you know they've yeah. Let's see who's penciled in at starter because I think it might be close to the cornerback room we did see in 2021 uh what they got here they got ronald darby who is a new guy he's been an established starter in the league but he's towards the end of his career right got brandon stevens who i think was one of the two players that he had that ridiculous catch on in 2021 the one that uh he high-pointed in double coverage or whatever got our darius washington who i don't know had a 44 coverage grade last year um but the safety duo is 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 fairly better uh, than it was in 2021 with Kyle Hamilton and Geno Stone playing. So maybe it's not as bad as
0: 2021, but it's pretty bad. It's a secondary that this Bengals receiving core should feast on. And Paul writes in and says that the Bengals should have kept Hayden Hurst over Irv Smith. And I think that that question is one that we're going to have to look at and talk to me at the bye week. Yeah. Irv Smith didn't do anything for me in week one, but nobody did. So it's not like I can fault him for that. Yeah. Talk to, but... me, talk to me at the bye week and how I feel about Irv Smith. But I think this is also for him a big game to, to try and do something as well. You need to find a way yeah. to get him rolling. Yeah. No, I think
1: it's a big game from Irv, too, because, you know, you did bring up the point nobody looks good on that offense, but I did not think Irv looked good at all in that offense. I thought that he looked small i thought he looked weak um he was struggling to catch balls um i just i was not particularly impressed with this performance in week one but could he write the shit too i don't know maybe i don't know they do have very good coverage linebackers in rook Smith and uh and patrick queen so maybe that you know Maybe it might be a little more difficult for him to just completely bounce back in Week One or Week Two, but yeah, no, I'd say that this is a, a big game for him to to kind of write the ship and write his season.
0: The Ravens' offense looked good Week One uh, against the Houston Texans. So, so take into that what you want. Lamar Jackson has brand new wide receivers. Zay Jones, I know, had a big game uh, in his debut. This Bengals defense, though, is has been created to stop guys like Lamar Jackson. And I think in all reality, last year against him, they did a pretty good job the one time that they played him. They let him break the big one that led to the led to the game winning kickoff or game winning field goal by Justin Tucker. But Lamar is gonna get his. but I think what you have to do with Lamar is make him pass. And if Lamar, drops and passes for 350 and the Bengals lose then you tip your cap
1: yeah no and I think that's probably the biggest key for the Ravens too is I think Lamar is going to have to will his team to victory here because the defense is is shot it's probably going to uh I don't know it's probably not going to be that great so your your biggest advantages uh for the Ravens is you know Lamar doing Lamar things and maybe getting the running offense, getting the run game a little bit going. But yeah, I I don't know. It's uh, I noticed this thing the past few years with the Ravens Week One, but there somebody in the scheduling office of the NFL has to be a Ravens fan because it seems like they've just been given gimmies every Week One for like the past five years and a lot of blowout wins, one against the Dolphins a few years ago that I remember. Um, obviously, the one against the Texans last week seems like, like a gimme.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't – I mean, they almost were going to get the division title based off of a coin flip last year, so we can continue talking about that as well. But I think that, uh, you, you know, the biggest question mark with this Ravens offense is, yes, Lamar can run. But with J.K. Dobbins getting hurt again, you're looking at Gus Edwards, like that, that, that running back coming out of the backfield, I think, for the Bengals has to make you feel better. Because Dobbins, to me, when healthy, was kind of that X factor of the offense to really make them go as being another true threat. And Gus Edwards is not J.K. Dobbins.
1: No, but Gus Edwards does run between the tackles pretty well. Now, is he a true explosive threat like J.K. Dobbins? I don't know. But, you know, it, and it's it's going to be weird because, you know, you have a completely different offensive system on the Ravens. Are they, you know, where they're trying to be more focused on their wide receivers and stuff? I wonder if, you know, and on the passing game, I wonder if the uh, – I wonder if J.K. Dobbins is really going to be much of a of a factor anymore for this Ravens offense.
0: Yeah, and I I think you very well could have seen him play one of his last games in in a, in a Ravens jersey. Now that he got hurt again, it's almost getting to the point where they they can't trust him, and and that that stinks when it comes to that. But I think you know Paul makes a good point that Lamar's going to make the mistakes, and I think that's the biggest key to this game for 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 the Bengals is they have to force Lamar into making those mistakes. And that starts with a pass rush. But like Josh says, that you're going to have to spy him as well. And he thinks Dax Hill is And If you can get that combination of the spy and the pass rush and force Lamar to beat you with his arm, I think it could be a really good game for the Bengals defensively, even if the offense isn't rolling. Yep. No, I agree as well. Uh, So
1: yeah that's that's probably the best key to success on the defense is to make well you know, to, to have you know forced turnovers on Lamar's end and uh you know Lamar usually does make mistakes passing the
0: ball so I don't know I mean, you, you I think, think back uh, at the I game the, a pretty good day to do that. the Sunday night football game he threw one was it Jesse Bates or Von Bell Von Bell right that it was just an Awful throw that the Raven that he made. Remembering up the sideline, I'm trying to remember as to who made the pick. Do you remember what I'm talking about?
1: Uh, I kind of lost you in the uh, in the uh, in the spiel there. But were were you talking about the game week five last year,
0: the Sunday night football game? Lamar, I remember had an awful pick.
1: Yeah, and it was was it Von Bell? I think it was Von that had that interception. I think it was Von because he had a stretch in the games between the Dolphins and the Ravens game where I think I think he had three picks, if I remember correctly. So yeah, yeah. it was probably, it was probably Bond.
0: But And I think that shows that the Lamar Jackson that you need to force more of because, listen, he is going to beat you with his legs. And I've said this since the minute Lamar got into the league. He is a fantastic athlete. Maybe the best athlete at the quarterback position that the league has ever seen. I think an argument could be made on that but he is a below-average passer. And you need to make that Lamar come out above the Lamar that is going to run all over you. Yeah.
1: And I think that Lamar is probably going to be coming out on Sunday and probably just in general throughout at least like the first half of the season, given the change in schematics that the the Ravens are trying to implement this season with Tom Munkin coming in he's more of a pass heavy guy. You don't have an offense, you know, curated by Greg Roman where it was entirely focused on Lamar's running ability. So I think that I think that bodes well for the defense this weekend for sure.
0: Special teams when it comes to this, I mean, you've got two of the best kickers in the league. Justin Tucker is elite. Evan McPherson is probably that next tier cuz I think Justin Tucker is in his own tier. Oh yeah. And I it's, think there is a group of t- kickers in the tier below. And I think Evan McPherson is in that tier. So you're looking at two of the, the best kickers I'm looking at. I was looking at the weather. It is going to be perfect weather. I think we're looking at like 78 and sunny for kickoff. No excuses for the weather. The kickers are probably going to love it too. And this game very well could come down to a Justin Tucker or an Evan McPherson field goal. Yeah, it very well could. Um, I don't know if it will come to that. I think the,
1: I, we'll get to our picks here. Yeah, say, yeah, but. yeah. We
0: don't want to run out. I'm just, just, you know, it could. It could. Maybe that's where I'm leaning towards my pick. I've still got, you know, another couple minutes to 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 go for it. Paul Reese picking a 60-yard field goal for Justin Tucker. I wonder Woo! what the odds on that are. Can you bet on, can you do a prop bet oh, on, on field goal I, yardage? Tomorrow? I am sure. Speaking of that, is, is there anything that you're liking for a mix money of the week?
1: Joe Burrow over passing yards. I don't know where they're sitting at right now, but I'm going to go with the over on the passing yards. I'm going to go with the over on the Jamar and T receiving yard. I think I think the offense could definitely feast this weekend, and I think they should feast this weekend.
0: Okay, so mix mix rolling. So you, would you parlay those three then?
1: No, I don't parlay.
0: You oh, are you you're anti-parlay? I think
1: parlays are full or, or fools gold, Sam.
0: Paul uh, writes in, I, I think this is accurate of his, his better the we mix and under on rushing. I'd almost bet that every week, Yeah. <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it is, Josh wants to do over on both Jamar and T. Hey, that'd be fun. I, I, think, I think that'd be fun as well. I, we could be running
1: back to 2021 here and I'm really hoping that's, the case. I,
0: I like it. I, I do. I like the Joe Burrow overpassing number. I, I'm hoping that that is the case. Uh, but I, I almost would disagree. I, I think that uh, I might go under Burrow passing. I don't know. I
1: don't know. I so it all depends on where the line's set, right? I don't know where the set where the line's at right now. I, I don't but, know. Uh, I mean, technically, like we're 250, right? That, that's
0: probably the. Technically, since we live in the state of Kentucky, we are only allowed to bet in person, so we can't bet in a on our phones for another like three weeks. So. Or two weeks, I think we're looking at. I think it's maybe the 28th. Well, I said, like a week, is it the 28th? I thought I heard the I think 24th. It's the I think it's, it's the, tw- so we're like two weeks away. I think it's the 28th. I think it is that Thursday, right before the Titans game that we'll be looking at it. And I've been l- liking to play around on DraftKings and I love the all in game. And it's also very dangerous for me because I love like the whole, how will this drive end? You know, will it end in this? Who's going to catch the first pass? And I'm thinking I am. I need to stay away from that because I'm going to be watching the random college football game or the random, you know, I guess Thursday night game this week is good. Uh, it's Eagles and uh, Eagles and Vikings, right? Yeah, no, it should be a good one. Yeah, that's a great one. But there, there will be at least one Thursday night game this year that is a total clunker. And to get myself interested, I'm going to be probably doing all of those in-game betting, and I'm probably going to lose a lot of money and have to just lose my phone on that <laughs> uh, but i i guess it's the time in the in the uh, in the pod mick where uh we can make our picks right yeah sure we last week both predicted correctly that the bengals would lose to the cleveland browns uh i know mick you predicted the, the blowout i think 34 20 if my memory's right And I think I predicted Browns 23-20. So we both win in that. You technically, if we were keeping score, you would get a bonus point for getting closer to the actual margin. So let's let's go through here this week. Who wins the Bengals versus the Ravens on Sunday at 1 o'clock? And it surprises me here. I I, I didn't mention it. For one, we got to mention the official, Sean Hockley. Hmm. Last time, Sean Hockley. Is that the Pittsburgh game? It was zero oh, won. one. I think is his only time ever doing it. It was the Pittsburgh game last year.
1: Okay, small sample size. That's okay.
0: The crew, the broadcast crew, I find interesting. I was ex- and me being the broadcast nerd, I always like to try and predict which crew because it's usually pretty easy. The Nance and Romo is always the CBS four twenty five game, and then usually Ian Eagle gets the next best game. Kevin Harlan gets the third best game, and then the rest are kind of scrambled. Uh, Ian Eagle is on the second best game of the day, which I don't remember what it is now, but who, who's I'm the color that. commentator with those guys? Uh, I, Ian Eagle is Charles Davis. Okay. Who is this one? Uh, Kevin Harlan has Trent green. I think is his name. Okay. The Bengals this week though, will have Andrew Catalan. And I don't remember Andrew Catalan's main color analyst, but Matt Ryan is also in his booth this year as his third chair. which is interesting because I found it interesting that I was learning and we're getting off topic, but Matt Ryan technically is not retired from the NFL yet. Not retired,
1: but still making, making money somewhere doing stuff
0: with the Colts. So technically, because if he retired, he's still under contract with the Colts. And if he retired, he would lose all that money. So he's got to find something to do for a year. So because of that, he is, he is in the booth with uh, Andrew Catalon. So that's going to, who has the Bengals call on, on uh sunday just to matt ryan for just making the best of both worlds right there and see i almost kind of wish that i could hear matt ryan call the game because i'd be interested to see how it goes but again back on topic mick who wins bengals or ravens and what's the final score how's it go about i'm gonna go bengals
1: win 27 to 17 i think the offense is going to tee off maybe I'll, i'll go a little bit higher we'll go 34 to 20 but i used 34 to 20 last week 41 to 24 Bengals. There we go. Yeah, There we go. I think the offense gets back on track. I think they take advantage of a depleted Ravens secondary. I think Joe is going to look like Joe, hopefully. Uh, I think Jamar and T are going to get what's due to them. Um, And I just see the defense competing with the Ravens offense more than I see the Ravens defense
0: competing with Bengals offense this week. You are much more optimistic than myself. Much more optimistic than me. And I, I give you credit for that. I, I Like I said last week, I do. And I think it's pretty much the same thing I said. I do agree with you on one thing. And I disagree with you on one thing. The thing I agree with you on is that the Bengals are going to win the game. The thing I disagree is, is there is not going to be that many points in this game. I'm taking the Cincinnati Bengals to win the game 16 to 13. Evan McPherson has a go-ahead, game-winning field goal in the last minute or so. It's not quite at the gun, but it is enough to where Lamar has to run a couple of plays and Lamar throws a pick. Logan Wilson gets the interception, drops down. Burrow comes out, takes the knee, and then we get to find out who the new backflipper is in the back there of, of, of that. Uh, it's good. Yeah, that, that's the biggest question. Quadru- Who's going to be the backflip guy? You. I you heard don't. that... Uh, Zach Taylor is going to be buying you all of the white claws you can drink and see how many backflips you could do after the game. Um it's gonna be zero. But uh I'd know, pay good I'll money gladly, to see it happen.
1: I'll gladly drink as much as much as Zach provides me and, uh, and try. But uh yeah, who's gonna be the backflip guy?
0: That's, I'd assume uh, it'll probably be Chris Evans back there, but I don't know that Chris Evans can I do the backflip. A candidate. That's a good candidate right there. Yes, but uh, Trent Taylor was the backflip guy. But I am picking Bengals 16, Ravens 13 with an Evan McPherson field goal in the closing under the two-minute warning. We'll say that. It's not at the gun, but we'll do it. Paul Reese, says white claw won't help my backflip. Same here, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said it. You might need a Red Bull, right? Gives you wings. Let's be real. There is nothing that would help me do a backflip. Nothing. Yeah. I, there. There's no shot that I know. That would help
1: know, me do a back backflip. That's uh, I, I don't know that
0: I could do a half flip and like end on my head. Like I don't even know that I'd make it that far. I think I'd just I, be a I back. Can flip. Barely get out of the chair I'm sitting in. <laughs> yeah, better get a neck brace ready. You are right, Paul. Yeah, as long as the uh, Cincinnati, you know, EMS is waiting for me, that then I'm ready for it. Well,
1: given what, uh, given the couple of events that happened last year at Paycor Stadium,
0: I think they'd be ready. I I I would hope so this has been fun as always we'll be back but before we, we wrap it up we do want to invite you to make sure you follow us on Facebook subscribe to the Jungle Juice YouTube page we're also on all of the podcast platforms now even in France Mick we're on the French podcast platform oui oui uh, parlez vous français that's all I got for you bonjour, uh, bonjour. if you're listening though in, in France on this podcast platform that neither one of us had ever heard of Drop us a message. I'm I'm interested. I, I want to know, are you a Bengals fan? Or maybe you're just scrolling through the, the good old French podcast airwaves. I, I don't know. But we welcome you. Houdé.
1: <laughs> Houdé. Houdé, France. And then Houdé to everybody else. And, yeah, please, uh, please uh, check us out on wherever you get your media from. Uh, we're on pretty much any streaming platform that I can think of at this point due yes, to uh, Sam's dedication there. and his, uh, We're his... on
0: Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Amazon, we're on iHeart, we're on pretty much everywhere you get it, and even that French site, if you use that, which I don't remember what the French site's called, but if you use it, I'm sure you know what it is.
1: For sure. And uh, just to throw out an apology here, I know that the lag was pretty bad during this uh, stream. Try to improvement. I think uh, from what Sam told me, it's probably my fault, and I kind of agree with that too, because... I don't know. I've been having good internet connection in the in the spare room here for the most part, but past couple of days it's been a little shoddy. So just wanted to throw out an apology there for, for the uh, for the lack of connection uh, uh, prowess there.
0: It's it's all good. It's what happens. I've had podcasts. Paul will tell you he's watching another show from the press box where I've had some that does it. Paul says he needs the Bengals to win. Uh, Paul, we are in very much agreement because it's a whole lot more fun, especially because in fact, we can say this too, Mick. I know we'll be out at uh, Bengal gyms tailgate uh, before the game, which is, I know that, and I found this out, and again we're getting off topic, but um, we learned that we usually hang out on the park side of Bengal gyms, which I found out we really weren't supposed to be doing until this year. Found that out, but it was kind of interesting. We're, uh, we We, got, we got down into the into the DJ
1: booth uh, towards the end of last year, like the the Bills and the Ravens game. We were pretty much hanging out well, Bill's game, I was out picnic tables drinking, and then uh, we ended up partying at the DJ booth for like the last hour. We can't wait to see you, either, and Josh. This is going to be a legendary time at the tailgate. I'm kind of scared as to what might transpire for me for for those few hours.
0: Paul, most of our Bengals fans, we tailgate at a place that's right outside of of the stadium. It's called. It's been a long-running tailgate. The guy's name that does it is Bengal Jim, so it's Bengal Jim's before the roar tailgate. They do a lot of charity stuff. It's awesome, um, and it's one of those things that if you do go and, and do it, make sure you throw in a couple of bucks into the till, or they have a Venmo or something. And I know that Jim has even started doing a a like thing where you can donate money at the start. To do it as well. So make sure you do that. And uh, he's doing like different tiers and you get your name on the sign and so on. So if you can help out, uh, I mean, Jim and his guys do do phenomenal work. They donate money to a lot of it. So make sure that if you go, you stop by, that you, you throw a couple, a couple of dollars in the till, even if you eat or if you don't, uh, they do great work and they got the DJ and, and everything. And I know if you see us, give us a high five. You can tell us we suck. Wouldn't be the first ones and, and do it as long as you you could tell us you suck. As long as you prove that you follow us, then you could tell us whatever sure. you want.
1: Well, that kind of just proves that they do. Right. But they where well, they, they at least watch us at some point. So That is true. And question
0: well, on the Bengal Gems tailgate. You said they're moving. Are they moving closer to the park or are they expanding? They are expanding. So apparently they technically weren't supposed to be in the park. But I think everyone just kind of stood in the park because every, it got so crowded in the other areas and mm-hmm. now that is actually like part of his tailgate. It is the park, Smale Park or however you say it down there is now actually part of it. So it's 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 just was funny to me that I was reading it and I was like, "Oh, you weren't supposed to be there?" Oops. I thought uh, this was America. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, okay, okay right now in the public park to, to tailgate.
0: I think it I might guess. have been more of maybe some of this as to what could have potentially been in there. Not this is this is Dr Pepper, so it's not like there's anything illegal about. <laughs> because if there was, this would this this would be a bad place. This would be a very bad place. But uh, if you see us, say hi. If not, hopefully you hopefully you can watch the game safely. Whether you're making the trip, if you're driving to Paycor Stadium, have a safe trip up. If you're sitting on your couch. And watching, uh, hopefully you, you got some some good food, some good drinks, and uh, can hopefully cheer on the Bengals to a big win because they need it. Yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah, can't wait to see you guys at the tailgate. Can't wait to see you guys in the stadium. Houday uh, Megan watching all the way from Sam's uh, place from Nine- residence
0: right there from my neck of the woods. Now, listen, you got to watch. Megan's got two sons that are killing it on the football field right now. And oh, uh, I've go. seen some videos, at least one of them. I don't know if both of them play, but one of them, every time I see, I think I see a little Jamar Chase in it, you know, quick, shifty. I, I, I love it. Uh, and Paul says, drinking in a city park. Yeah, probably not supposed to be allowed. Well, Too thought bad. this was America. <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I thought this was America. I thought this was America. But uh, we're, we're just one son playing. Yeah, okay. I, I knew at least one of them played. But, yeah, he's he's doing a great job. Uh, Bengals, we're picking both of the teams, the Bengals, to win. Uh, we look forward to watching it. We'll be back again next Wednesday at 8 Eastern, 7 Central to break down the Bengals and the Ravens, hopefully bringing up a big win. And then we get to talk Ring of Honor next week as well because we'll be previewing Bengals, Rams, Monday Night Football, big game, White Tiger, and so on. So we look forward to it. Yep.
1: No, can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be a great time.
0: That'll wrap us up for this show. So until next time for Mick Nelson and Sam Gormley, who day who day. Thanks for watching everybody.